that's just the original title, which you all saw. And I've added the second title of Who Are Those Social Work Types and Why Should We Care? Um, because it actually dawned on me that uh, it's very unlikely there will be anyone in my field here. So um, when I submitted all the information for this, I had said I would talk about my dissertation. <laughs> Um, and then as I started to put it together, I realized that it's going to be really hard to talk about my dissertation if you have no idea what I'm talking about. Because methodology is all great and analysis and all that is kind of dry. You have no idea whatsoever what I'm talking about. So I decided what I would do instead is talk a little bit about what is this topic and why should you care. There's a big issue about evidence-based practice in social work. And this is a term that's thrown around a lot. So if you um, work in social services of any kind, if you consult, there's a lot of consulting going on right now in Parliament, so the faculty from Oxford make sort of daily trips up to London. And there's a lot of policy making that talks about evidence use and evidence application in social services. So it's a term that you hear a lot, evidence-based practice. So I thought what I would do is try and make this kind of relevant to you. There are more slides that I'm going to get through, so you'll see me stop about halfway through. Um, because if I get to my dissertation, that's great, because that is in fact what I said I would talk about. Uh, here is, this is the, my Oxford thesis, as you can see, similar to the speeches tonight. They have very little to do with one another. Um, they are linked. My goal in all of my research, the three line has been, um, that my goal is to create the best possible environment for social workers and social service practitioners, frontline workers, to do the best possible work. And if we give them the support and the policies and, and uh, environment where they can do good work and let them do what they do best, which is help people. All right. So by a quick show of hands, how many of you have ever been in the hospital or had a family member in the hospital? Almost everybody. Or had a child in the hospital or something? Okay. You've had contact with a social worker, whether you know it or not. Um, because when you get ready to leave, you know how someone comes to your room and they says, oh, sir, you need some crutches, and then two weeks from now, you need to follow up with your GP, and here's your prescription, take it with water after dinner, don't do all those things that happen as you're getting ready to go, instead of a secretary coming in and going, okay, nice to meet you, good luck, please sign here. And you go, what? <laughs> Somewhere behind the scenes, there's a social worker, or someone in filling that role who's coordinated all of that stuff. So you've had contact with one, whether you know it or not. A lot of policy advisors are social. Uh, here in the UK, they call it social care. I'll come back to language in just a second. Disaster services, I work with the Red Cross, lots of us do mental health debriefing, forensic use, justice, all these different things. Most people are pretty familiar with child protective services, possibly the most thankless job on the planet. Um, the people who go out to protect children who are being neglected or abused, elder care services, things like that. Um, military social workers um, are very, they're desperately in need of them. So you have had contact with social workers, probably, whether you know it or not. Now, given that you have contact with the social care workforce in one way or another, regardless of what country, now, I should say, my research is primarily based in the UK and the US. There are social workers all over the world doing incredibly similar things. I'm not going to talk about all over the world. Um, my expertise really lies in comparing the United Kingdom and the United States, primarily because of language issues. Um, so when I'm talking about social care and social work, for the purposes of this, I'm really talking about the UK and the US. And you can see here, this is, these are some of the policies. There's lots of rhetoric out there going on. 
Um, and I just sort of picked two at random, but you can sort of if you Google, you know, evidence-based practice and either administration, you'll come up with a whole page full of quotes. Um, this whole what works mentality, right? We're going to invest in what works. We're going to find the programs that work, and we're going to cut away the ones that aren't. So this top one, this is David Blunkett. This is a speech to the Economic and Social Research Council, which is a big funding research body, if you haven't heard of it, uh, in 2002. Clear commitment, we will be guided not by dogma, but by an open-minded approach to understanding what works and why. Right. This one, this is actually um, the, the U.S. government, uh, the Obama administration, has a blog now, which I think is really cool. Um, and you can go to whitehouse.gov. I don't know how much of it he writes and how much his staffers write, but it's there. And so this is on May 7th, right, as they released the latest budget. They were talking about using taxpayer dollars to invest in what works and put our nation back on the path to prosperity. So this what works rhetoric has become very much embedded. And they're talking... Now, they're talking about all social services in both countries. So healthcare, housing, poverty, welfare issues, um, medicine, funding research. They're talking about everything that involves human beings. Okay? We're not necessarily talking about highways, but we're talking about daycares. We're talking about provision of medical services. In the US, it's insurance. Here, it's NHS. Right? One of the ways that they've done this is these databases. Now, the governments have both been funding these databases and pushing this idea of how we're going to compile evidence. Because when you start talking about what works, you then have to start talking about, well, how do we know what works? What gets to count? And all of that. So they started compiling these databases. And I should tell you, this number 47, I have 47 bookmarked on my laptop. <laughs> So the idea that we would have one big central database and collect all of our evidence and put it out there for people to look at when, they, when a question, scientific question comes up so that practitioners and frontline workers can go out and gather information and make a good decision, that's a great idea. But 47 databases? That's, that, that's just the ones I have bookmarked. There are more than that. And they're all over the place. Here are a couple. This is the U.S. government's appear. Um, this is the one they're pushing in at. Um, has some big problems with it, but might lose its funding anyway. Um, this is Sky. Uh, I really recommend you look at that if you haven't seen it. Any kinds of random questions. This little hot topics thing goes all the way down the page, and they have a very good search engine on there with all kinds of information. If you ask the people at Sky if they're part of the UK government, they will say, "Oh no, of course not." The UK government re relies very heavily on these people for uh, collecting information for the purposes of making social policy. In the US and UK, we say we both speak English, and that is mostly the case. Um, you will never hear a social worker in the UK called a practitioner. It's purely a cultural thing. Um, here they're called frontline workers, service providers, um, care providers, social care. In the US, I tend to slip into calling them practitioners because that's the usual term. Um, Language divides us. The actual tasks of what we're doing are remarkably similar, with a few exceptions. In the U.S., it's much more common to see someone doing private practice. There's a psychotherapy training that goes along with social work. Here, it's, very, it's somewhat unheard of. So there is that difference. But the tasks, so when I'm talking about social work, they are registered and licensed in both countries. Um, and there is a training level that they reach. So, but, the, but the language is different. All right. So we are divided by that. But these arguments remain the same. Um, and so there's this issue about 
what is evidence-based practice? Because we're starting to talk about what works, and we're going to base our legislation on evidence, and we're going to tell people they have to use, they have to do evidence-based practice. So what is evidence-based practice? Well, somewhere back at the beginning of this debate, which is like late 1990s, a group of very positivistically oriented researchers sort of hijacked this debate because what they did was they defined evidence-based practice in a very narrow parameter. And they said randomized controlled trials um, or very quantitatively oriented research uh, that leads to validated studies that we know work, that's evidence-based practice. And language became really, really important because it's really hard to argue with that. Who wants to say, I want to do non-evidence-based practice? They set it up in such a way that you can't argue with it. You, you can't argue with wanting to do evidence-based practice. So unless you knew that this was being defined in a very small way, this huge outcry in the public, that, that was sort of a lose-lose. Because the second you disagree, everybody goes, well, what do you mean you, want, you don't want to base practice on evidence? How could, you, how could you do that? You're going to intervene with my child, and you're not going to base it on evidence? And that's not at all the argument that was happening. So the, we spent the last five years trying to back out of this and really open this to another way of thinking. So really what's happening now is researchers are advising policymakers, and policy is being made based on what's going out there now, and there are two approaches to evidence-based practice. There's this iterative idea, which is what the researchers in our brain want. So we've got the research community for the most part agreeing. And this is across medicine, nursing, psychology, social work, humane, social services, human services. That it's this iterative approach of framing a good question, searching for the best possible research evidence, applying it to your clients, and then evaluating your, your, your outcomes. And then there's this other idea of evidence-based practices and practice guidelines. Now, unfortunately, what we don't know is that this one um, was what was put out there to begin with. So you do this because we know this works. For instance, CBT. This is a thing called cognitive behavioral therapy. You may or may not have heard of it. Uh, it's a very well-validated intervention for, for anxiety, panic, all kinds of behavioral change issues. Easy to study, easy to measure. The way it's formatted, it's a very easy to measure kind of intervention. It's designed that way. And so we know it works for a lot of things, for a lot of people in a lot of situations. Play therapy. Have you heard of this? Say, you know, play therapy with kids and sand trays. You play with toys and you can interpret their behavior. It's an old, it's an old school kind of psychodynamic approach. I love it. I had a great time when I was trained to do that. Um, playing in sand, it's a lot of fun. It's very hard to measure. <laughs> very hard to test if that effective because of all the variables involved in there and how you measure empathy. The same way we have problems measuring things like depression. We, we can't touch depression. It's not a thing I can put on a table. All right, it's very hard to measure. We measure these things by proxy, and they're not always very specific. So it gets very complicated, and this issue of what gets to count as evidence becomes really, really important. Because who gets to decide that? Who gets to determine what counts as evidence? And this does get to be really important because differences between poor evidence and no evidence become really important. Right, so in play therapy, we just don't have any evidence whether it works or not because we haven't been able to measure it. Doesn't mean it doesn't work. Doesn't mean it's causing harm. But CBT, we have lots of research because it's easy to measure. Lots of doctoral students test CBT. You can get out of time. Right? So this issue becomes really important. So one of the reasons this does matter is because these issues of who gets to decide become really salient because 
For instance, if you have a child that you want to put in daycare, depends on whether there's a daycare in this area, right? This is actually a real UK study that just happened. There's a fabulous map somewhere with little dots all over it of all the daycares in the UK. That was decided by a study that was funded by ESRC, a group of social work practitioners, some of whom were from Oxford studied whether or not it was needed and how it was going to be funded and which areas had the most need and which kinds of areas were not using it to its full potential. And so they made this huge study about daycare interventions and the appropriateness of different kinds of interventions. And then they fed it to the government. The government went, ah, oh, we don't need them in here. They're not using them to close off daycares. Decided not to fund them based on this evidence. Okay, now somebody decided that that study counted more than a different where somebody said, these people are not wealthy, they don't have access, and so on. Um, marginalized people in this area, they need more daycare. Who gets to decide which study counts? When we talk about evidence, I like this one right here. This is the UK government cabinet office last year. These are all the things that count as evidence. Expert knowledge, published research, existing statistics, the internet. <laughs> so just about anything counts. This is AHRQ, this is the US government. Um, talking about the different kinds of evidence that are involved. So all of these things become really important. And different professions don't define these the same. I realize I'm running out of time. For instance, medicine, medicine and nurses, you, you always see them practicing together, right? You never see a nurse without a doctor, a doctor without a nurse somewhere nearby. But when doctors use the word evidence, they're talking about research evidence, primarily epidemiological research. All of those things that happen, like practice wisdom and ethics and their context and their training, that's a given in that environment. When they talk about evidence, they're talking about epidemiological evidence. When a nurse talks about evidence, they're talking about all information that they get. Client values, what the patient wants, doctor's orders, rules, regulations, funding, preference. All of those things become evidence. So we have two professions working side by side in the same environment with two very definition, very different definitions of the very same thing. So just think for a minute what happens when we start defining how you're going to use evidence to decide what happens to a patient. All right. Um, now, in the interest of time, I'm going to basically summarize and say one thing that, um, let me go to the slides so you can see. What I did from here, uh, as I was going through this, working towards my doctorate, <clears throat> um, it's, I'm actually doing a survey of frontline workers because I don't want you to worry about the stuff in the middle. Look at number one and number eight. Um, this issue of power and control, who gets to decide, what gets to be important, how we get to decide what it is, is really thematic across all the literature, medicine, nursing, um, psychology, social work. I also looked at business, law, management, and education, all the I didn't really focus on this. And that's actually this, docu this huge document sitting there. It's an annotated bibliography. Um, it's kind of dry reading, but you're welcome to see it if you'd like. Um, and the other thing that I noticed was this absence of frontline voice. So I'm sure you're all aware that most of us who do research and publish are PhDs, or we're on our way to a PhD, or an MD, or an MPhil. We're not necessarily the people doing the frontline work. So in the United States, for example, MSWs are the practice degree. So you have people with a master's out there practicing. Here it's a, there's a diploma where there's a, there's a master's degree now. And the people out there doing the practice are not necessarily the people doing the research. They just don't have the time. And nobody's really asked. So we're making these presumptions about what's important and we're compiling all this stuff into databases. And we're 
funding these databases, and we're starting to legislate this and decide that we're going to fund things that work, nobody has ever actually asked, I shouldn't say nobody, there have been two studies that have asked about what this actually means out there. So in a real life setting, what does this mean? Is this useful? Are these databases helpful? Do we compile it in a meaningful way? Do we provide information that's helpful to them? Do they, are they able to access it? Are their workplaces set up in a way that's going to encourage them? And the fact is, we just don't know. So we're making a lot of presumptions about these things, and we're going forward with legislation because we have to. And it seems like a great idea. The rhetoric sounds good. It's really hard to argue with, isn't it? We're going to base things on evidence and fund what works. It's so hard to argue with. But we just don't know what that means. And we're not all talking about the same thing. So my dissertation moves forward from there and talks about how um, it's a big survey, random sample. Um, I did do a pilot study, had some very interesting findings about barriers and um, perceptions of barriers. Um, and we'll see if that plays out when I do the larger study to try and bring some of this practitioner voice into this and really find out what's happening in the practice field.